Hi, I'm Joe, and this is the Decahedron RPG Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Joe. No James this week, and we don't even have the episode we thought we would have this week. This week, we were supposed to do the episode that we recorded with Jason about what is an RPG, but like I mentioned in the Feedback Friday episode, that one is just kicking my butt. So we're going to talk about something different this week, and at the end, we are going to talk about uh, this month's giveaway, this month being July, and we're going to talk about the updates for the BBS and the forums. But before then, let's talk about this week's topic, and this week's topic is, uh, let's call it automated versus manual generation, or you might call it the pros and cons of automated generation, or manual generation so that's why i went with automated versus manual generation and what do i mean by that well i'm a computery type guy right i uh way back when like on the cusp of teenagehood i was like either in like very late preteen or early teens radio shack at the midland mall in warwick rhode island would have a trash 80 on display outside the store and i would sit there while my mother sit stand there, why my mother was out shopping, and I would try to write a D&D character generator. So even before I owned my first computer, way back in the late 70s or early 80s, I was trying to do that. And of course, eventually I had a Commodore 64, and I wrote one. It was great, in my mind at least. Um, but you know, there's always been this marriage of computers and gaming in my mind and using them as a tool when I, I GM. What I'm talking about here is is things where that you do a whole lot of random stuff in table lookups. Let's say uh system generation in Traveler or Animal Encounters in Traveler or maybe random dungeon encounters in D D. I mean random dungeons in D D, you know, following the the solo dungeon creation guides from the strategic review article or the appendix in the first edition dungeon master's guide or my favorite adventure of all time as i keep saying is frontier forts of kelnor by judges guild and there's a lot of random tables on there actually pretty much any product ever from judges guild is just a bunch of random tables and it's real easy just to program that into a computer, especially these days using Python or C Sharp. It's a matter of minutes to take one a Judge's Guild product and turn it into a quick little program. It's so easy to do that. And you get these really fast results, you know. Once once you program it, I can get a... Uh, well, actually, let's do a real example. As I've said before, I'm planning this little adventure for Heather and Keith and whoever else wants to join in. Well, up to two other people. So if you're interested, let me know. I wa- I didn't want to do it in the Springwood Marches. I wanted it to be my own thing. And so I programmed a subsector generator with, you know, the planet gen- generator built in. And I whipped out like 47, 48 planets, mapped them out. Okay, I can see where they are, you know, and it took me considerably less time to program that and do it than it would have to generate all 48 planets. But now I am generating the animal encounters for this specific planet where the adventure is going to happen. 
spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and that would also be really easy to program. And I could do the big table instead of the little table. I'm doing the, the little table. If you've ever played Traveler, you, you know what I talk about. Each planet can have, actually, you're supposed to do it for each biome in each planet. And you can have a short 1D6 table, or you can have a longer 2D6 table. I'm going for the 1D6 table. Like I said, it's a single venture. Um, I only expect it to take three or four sessions. So I, I didn't think I needed the, the bigger table. Anyway, it would be real easy to program it to make those six encounters. However, I'm doing it manually. And the reason is that, and again, this follows for the Judges Guild stuff too, because uh, in Judges Guild, you know, you roll on this table and then you roll on that table and you roll on that table and all the previous tables, you know, come to play. Likewise with the Traveler Animal Encounter Generation, you know, you roll for type and then you roll for size and then you roll for special abilities and then the weapon equivalent and, and all that stuff. Yeah, it'd be real easy just to program that and whip out a list of even 50 of them, never mind six. I think Traveler already has a product like this. And all you get is this line that says herbivore, 15 kilograms, stinger, whatever. You know, I'm making stuff up as I'm talking here. You look at it and it doesn't tell you a lot. Where, as I find, if you sit down and you roll it up, the very second you roll up the type, and the type says that it's a gatherer, already you start, the wheels in your mind are thinking, okay, a gatherer, you know, what, what does that mean? Uh, sorry, a gatherer, a grazer. A grazer, what does that mean? Okay, grazer means that they, they go around just like eating all the time, you know, like a cow or something, you know, like, okay, uh, or a deer, whatever, you know. Okay, so maybe it looks right. And all these possibilities are already starting to form. And then you you roll the next die and you determine its size. And you're like, oh, wow, this is light. It's like the size of a chicken, you know? And then that changes the gears. But your, your mind is thinking about this. And by the time you get to the last roll, you actually have a pretty good concept of what this, this creature is. At least I do. And that is so much more than if I just look at the stats at the end and then try to figure out what it is by there. The same thing with Frontier Forts of Kelnor. It would be easy, to, in fact, I think I've done it before, to program all those tables there and just to whip out a fort. But then I'm looking at it and I don't have that same sense of connection as I do when I went all the way through it. And then I have to look at each thing and I have to try to start generating a story from that. And I find that the result is richer when I do it the, the long way, when I do it by, by hand. And just, yeah, to prove the point, like I said, I, I made the, it's two subsectors really that the adventure takes place over. That's the entirety of my Imperium, doing air quotes there. I've never cared for the GDW Imperium, 10,000 worlds or something like that. That's too big for my, for my tastes. I like smaller worlds smaller universes you know the players can have more of an impact anyway yeah i programmed the computer and i had this list of 50-ish planets 48 i think there are all and i have them mapped out and i know what they look like but there's still a whole lot of work to go in there and make each planet a place 
rather than just a UPP. And of course, I don't really need to do that. I'm going to need to do it on the planet where the players start out at and where their adventure is going to be and the ones in between and maybe right around in case they need to make any quick getaways or something. But all that work isn't done because I don't have that mental image. I just have this stat block and I have to go back and think about what that stat block means in terms of a story. So I think that's all I had to say about this. A nice short episode, the way the podcast was originally intended to be. I'm just going to, I did write down some notes before I started. So I'm going to read them real quick, make sure I covered everything I wanted to. Um, yeah, actually, I'll even read them out loud. So it said benefits of manual generation. So you can think about what each result means as its role. Yeah, I talked about that. You can create a more coherent whole. Um, I'm going to disagree with that wording a little bit. I think you can have an equally coherent whole either way. I think it's just more organic if what happens uh, while you're rolling. And then for automated generation, I said it's faster. It can be easier to use, but it is faster. It can be easier. It's just that the results still require a lot of work afterwards. So is that really easier? I guess that's the question. And then I said uh, making animals, generating fort and frontier forts of Kelnor. Um, give uh, automated generations, for example, for Traveler. I did all that. And um, all right. Yeah, so that is everything I had to say. So I am going to toss the question back at you, my fellow GMs, and maybe fellow players. Um, what what do you think? Do you Would you rather roll and like with a book in front of you and reference all the tables. I will say that the computer is easier because you don't have to flip to this page and then back to that page. Oh, what does that thing mean? You know, so that's another reason the computer is easier. But um, again, I find I get better results doing it manually. Is that what you think? Am I wrong? Or you at least? Let me know. Let me know your thoughts on this whole subject. Uh, send us feedback, feedback at decahedron.com is the email address, or you can go to sayhi.chat slash decahedron, or you can call our number, which is 562-RPG-CAST. <laughs> I had to think about that for a minute. Yeah, I looked it up the other day, by the way. Area code 562 is in uh, like the Los Angeles area, whatever. Um, it also spells the word job. so. The feedback line is actually job RPG cast, which was purely unintentional, the job part, but you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's how you can leave us feedback. All those methods are at decahedron.com. Again, decahedron is with a K. Speaking of decahedron.com, last Friday during our Feedback Friday episode, I talked about this idea I had to either open up uh, like some web forums. I would do that at decahedron.com because I already own the domain. Actually, I own another one called snogan.net, and there's nothing there. Would that make more sense? I don't know. I, mm, I'm leaning towards Actually, it's already uploaded at decahedron.com. I just, it's not all set up yet. So, yeah, I've already made that progress. I have a Raspberry Pi 400 that I've already started the install for WWIV. Yeah, WWIV. It stands for World War Four. It was the name of a bulletin board system, still is. Um, so actually, I'm going to go with both approaches because they have different 
pluses and minuses, and we'll see which, if any, sticks. I just hoping hoping that one doesn't cannibalize. I mean that they don't both cannibalize off the other, and so they both wither and die. But we'll see. Um, so yeah, so that's the update on that front. On the other front, this well, this is June as I'm recording, but we're entering into July, and as you just heard, I'm doing a lot of traveler stuff, so that has my mind in a very science fiction state. And so this month, I am doing a giveaway, and we are giving away one copy of my favorite hard science fiction novel of all time. And, you know, if you win and you have to already have that novel, you know, we'll talk, we'll, we'll work together. But I'm not going to say what it is until we announce the winner. But by hard science fiction, I mean that the core of the story is about man's relationship with technology or something along those lines in a realistic way, not, you know, Star Trek is more space opera slash space fantasy. So for that matter is Star Wars. Star Wars is way on the space fantasy side with, you know, the force and all that stuff. Uh, no, I'm looking for something that, you know, is pretty realistic. Like if it has some form of faster than light travel, that I don't know, they just don't mention what it is, or it's so nebulous that you know that you can't say, Well, that would never work. I, you know, I'm okay with that. It's 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 hard to say what's what's hard, and as long as you can justify what's that it, why it's hard for you, um, hard SF, I'm I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not an evil taskmaster, but yeah, and for you know, you tell us how you would use that in a game like my favorite novel. I've worked into a Star Trek role-playing game scenario that I've run a few times. It works particularly well for, for Star Trek because reasons that I'll talk about during that episode. For Traveler, not so much. For Star Wars, oh, I would hesitate to use it for Star Wars. Uh, yeah, because I know immediately what would happen, and it would be horrible. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to talk about that without talking about why. Hopefully I'll remember to talk about that. James, if you're listening, if hopefully your tech issues are fixed by then, uh, remind me to mention why that would be horrible in Star Wars. Anyway, we're at 15 minutes now, so thanks for listening. I'm going to wrap this up. Until next week, happy gaming, happy life. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG cast. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message by calling 562-774-2278. That's 562-RPG-CAST. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit decahedron.com. Remember that decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logo is by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep those dice rolling.